Hey, before we get started, I, I just want to say that th- this episode is dedicated to the memory of Jim Chadwick. He's a friend of mine that passed away uh, this past week, and while I, I'd be lying if I said we were super close, nonetheless, his friendship came at a very important time in my life, uh, one where he made it okay to be super geeky and r- really into things, even as uh, an adult, like a late-life adult, and it, it, it kind of subconsciously validated my strange obsession with Ninja Turtles once I reached adulthood, and his spirit and his pure excitement about the minutiae of of things like Transformers and Star Wars and Star Trek was infectious, and it's really just a privilege to have known him. So I hope you enjoy the show, and Jim, if you're listening, uh, thank you so much for just kind of inspiring my inner obsession. I can't think of anyone else in my life that has done that specific thing. So rest in peace, man. Uh, I love you and uh, enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Shellheads podcast. My name is Sergio. I am one of your hosts. No, that's Jeff. He's he's your other host. Hello. Uh, we are the Shellheads, and we are here for episode. What is this? Thirty six. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We're uh, we're still coming coming at you not live from a from a, a Skype call uh, because we are still self quarantining or we're 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 on lockdown. Uh, places are starting to open back up now, but we still don't really trust that, you know, everyone's not going to die. Yeah, especially since our numbers uh, spiked <laughs> uh, two or three more times since then. So I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So so the show must go on. Even though we're at home. Uh, and the the irony is we live like two blocks away from each other, but we're still doing this through Skype because you can't catch COVID through a video call. No, you can't. Being okay. safe and being smart, folks, we hope you're doing the same. Or at least some facsimile of it. Yeah. Um, Just don't go licking doorknobs or toilet seats. No, go ahead. Go ahead. That's how you build your immune system, Jeff. No, don't. Don't listen to him. No, don't do that. Don't. Like... <laughs> I'm not wrong, Jeff. <laughs> yes, you are, folks. This is a terrible influence. Don't listen to him. I'm not saying you should do it, but I'm not wrong. Okay, what are we talking about this episode? The other half of City at War. That's right. We'll get into that in a minute. Uh, since this is looks to be kind of a shorter episode, I did want to talk about a turtles thing that it's it's I I finally can talk about. Oh. Just because I now have firsthand experience with it. Um, as many of you know, last year, Walmart and uh, what's it called? Arcade One Up yeah. released a cabinet directly to, I think it was exclusive to Walmart stores, uh, that was all, you know, was both Turtles arcade no, game. Only two. Uh, that would be the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, and Turtles in Time. Both of them, they released in a standalone standalone arcade cabinet 
with like four joysticks and four four you know player setups. Mm-hmm. It's it, it was quite a release. My biggest issue with it was the price tag. Uh, when it came out, it was what four hundred dollars. Yeah, you're basically paying a hundred bucks a player. A hundred bucks a player to play two arcade games that not only are like thirty years old, but also they're not that good. I see. They, no, don't no. And no. and they have been released fifty eleven dozen times. No, across. not really. Yes, no, they really. well they have. They haven't. They have barely. They're not that hard to come by. Let's just say well, that. Well, you can't purchase them legally. You Well, there are versions that you can purchase legally. Just, well, just the arcade one up. No, 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 no. Like, you, like there, there were versions that were bundled with, like, old video games. Oh, we don't count that. They changed all that freaking music. I, hey, I said sure. there were versions, Jeff. Yes. Yeah. Don't listen to them. Those games are great. They're a lot no, of fun. No, and, Unless and, you're Sergio, you know and they're you not know. any fun and just party pooper all over everything. I, I have I have put the, put together the cabinet. <laughs> I have uh, I, I, I even like took the took the uh, advice of some some YouTubers, and they were like, "Oh, these uh, arcade cabinets are pretty good, but the first thing you can YouTubers, do is I freaking told you they were garbage." <laughs> no, that like that's the thing. I'm I'm telling you that it's the 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 cabinet is not garbage. Oh, it is. There are some things that I, I swapped out. Like I put it's they come with like two pound springs in the joysticks. I put four pound springs in the joysticks. Mm-hmm. So they would be a bit firmer, whatever that means. Uh, also the gates were like four corner gates and now there's eight corner gates. Arcade guys probably know what that means. Hello. I, <laughs> I yeah. Yeah. Arcade guys like Jeff probably yeah. know what that means. Yeah. I swapped those out, so you know the the the, the joysticks are nice and tight now. F- from what I can tell, the game plays just fine. You know, it's 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 a beat 'em up. It doesn't have to play that good. What really could go wrong? Bad emulation. I didn't get any bad em- emulation. At least not when I played it. Like I played it with all like with my entire family. I played it with just me. My son played it for hours. And oh wow, that's a big deal. He doesn't like retro games. No, when I told him that he couldn't die. And that he could probably finish it in an hour. He was like, oh, okay. And he finished it. Like, he, he finished, I believe, yeah, he, 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 he beat the first game. I Who also, um, he was Donatello. Of course. I like this cabinet. Okay. It's, it's having it in my home is, is, is very surreal. You know, walking into my dining room and there's, this, you know, a, a five a foot tall. of a cabinet instead yeah. of a uh, six it's, foot tall. Right, it's 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 obviously not full size, and there's no way they could get away with selling a full size cabinet at a Walmart. But no. for what it is and where you get it, it's kind of exactly the right thing that it needs to be. Mm-hmm. I still stand behind my statement that four hundred dollars is ludicrous. Yeah, uh, even two hundred dollars is ludicrous, especially if you can't add games to it. You know, right. uh, yeah. like not legally. You know, right. Uh, there is a price point where I think that this is a great product. Four hundred is not it. I, I I placed an order for a lighted uh, marquee mm-hmm. that should be coming in in the next few weeks. Very I'll get nice. that baby installed, uh, and it'll look even nicer than it looks already because all the all the art looks really good. The it, like it's solid, it's sturdy, considering it's tiny. You know, like 
for what it is, it's a fantastic product. But but like if you're a purist like one Jeffrey is, yep. You, what, what what problems do you do you foresee with this cabinet? Back in the day, everything was built sturdier and a bit more, you know, for longevity. Of course, it doesn't have like a what 50, 60, 70 pound uh, CRT monitor in it. True. Um, and of course, it can't. But you know, it's just it from all the problems that I've heard from various people that the cabinets are just garbage. Yeah, see, I don't. I it breaks I don't get that. all that. You know, the emulation's not very good. But I mean, if people are making improvements on the cabinet, like like you said, you did, yeah. um, and a lot of them are actually just doing their own thing and putting whatever they want in the system and making them better. More power to them. Of course, if you are enjoying it and you're making it better and it doesn't break within three weeks, <laughs> I'm going to give you in enjoy. Let's move on. Let's move on. Okay. I've spoken my piece. I'm not going to recommend you buy it, but if you happen upon someone who has one, have some fun with it. Like, yeah. You probably won't break it, and then you can laugh at them for spending $400. You, you might break it because they're cheap parts. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Uh, as Jeff said, this episode we're talking about the second half of City at War. And to, to be, I guess, as specific as possible, with all of these uh, Volume 1, like Mirage Volume 1 books, we have been following the continuity put in, uh, that was established in the IDW reprints. Mm -hmm. uh, what IDW did is they went, went through all of the original Volume 1 stuff, chopped it up, and was like, these are the ones Kevin and, and Peter uh, worked on. Let's bundle these together as continuity books and release them as the ultimate collection. What that means is if you listen to all of our episodes that have this content in them, we started with Ultimate Collection 1, and now we're on Ultimate Collection 5, uh, which includes issues 56, 57, 58, 59, 60, 61, and 62 uh, to close out not only City at War, but also Volume 1. Yeah. So, with that said, where do we leave off? At the end um, of issue fifty-five, mm -hmm. what? Where? Where were our? Where were our heroes? The turtles had tracked down a foot elite guard and basically cornered him, and the foot and the, and the elite guard killed himself. Yeah, yeah. The 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 turtles were were kind of tangentially connected to a literally a city at war uh, with the Foot Clan. Karai had uh, stated that she was coming to New York to handle her business. Mm -hmm. uh, the last shot we see of her is standing on a building looking at the Empire or, or looking at the, 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 the Chrysler building. So mm -hmm. she's in New York. Uh, Casey, who uh, had left, was somewhere else in the country that didn't really tell us where. And he had proposed to his new girlfriend who was pregnant with someone else's baby. Mm -hmm. uh, April was living in California with her sister, Robin, uh, and finding it hard to adapt to cal the California uh, laid-back lifestyle. Yeah. Uh, she was also really trying to 
like reconcile her her past with the turtles and Casey and Splinter and and basically trying to find out who she is and not having a really good time doing so. No. Uh, Splinter, uh, still living in Northampton, had wandered into uh, like an abandoned uh, what was that a silo uh, like a silo and yeah. had fallen and broken his leg. Presumably the same silo that the Rat King fell into because the Rat King shows up at the very end of issue 55. Uh, Splinter is basically there, is, is, is left there to die with the Rat King taunting him, telling him he's got stuff he's got to do to survive. Is that about it? Yeah, pretty much. Are we caught up? Okay, good. Good, 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 good. Uh, because issue 56 really, really picks up very quickly. Last time when we did this, we went through each character individually. Do we want to start with the turtles first, or do we want to just jump into like the side characters? Uh, I think let's just let's just go with April. Okay. So, so April has found herself a job. Um, she uh feels like she might must she might be wasting her time there. Her boss is mean to her. Uh, and, and she's clearly frustrated. We continue on uh, to more April story. She comes home to Robin, uh, and they kind of have a little, a, a little fight. Um, April's not happy with hell, but yeah, because Robin's a slob, or she just she just doesn't live this type of lifestyle that April lives. Because if you look at the at the house, the house is not that messy. Yeah. Like she's not like a hoarder or on, you know, smack or anything. She just isn't. Right. Yeah, she's just not April. Yeah. Um, there is best. an Easter egg goodie, though. Okay. Uh, when when April comes in the door uh, to um, the apartment uh, on the bookshelf, there's a uh, book of uh, with Godzilla on it. That is correct. Which is pretty cool. I was like, whoa, wow. Robin's into some Godzilla. Cool. Yeah. Uh, let's see. The big reveal at the end of this issue specifically is that Robin and April's dad died. Yeah. Which, uh, ultimately forces them to go back East for the funeral. And I'm going to go ahead and jump to issue 657 to do more of the April story. So... The next like important April scene is with Robin and April at the funeral. And at the funeral is when she reveals to Robin, "Hey, I'm I'm moving back. I'm moving back east." Like, "Thank you for your hospitality. It's a bit too laid back out there. I'm a New York girl. I got to get home." Yeah. And so that's that's when they establish, "Hey, April's coming home." So, not much really happens with her the first two issues. Continuing on, ah, okay. So before Robin heads back to California, they meet with the lawyer uh, to to find out what's going to happen with their father's will and you know that kind of stuff. They find out that their their father had quite a nest egg. Yeah, they yeah they they both are going to receive two hundred thousand dollars. Once expenses and taxes are taken out of, you know, their whatever. 
their trust fund or whatever it's called, basically giving April the freedom to do whatever she wants, which really informs her next decision, at least in my mind. Um, the next, let's see, the next time we pick up April's story. Ah, yes, she was visiting second time around. Her and her and Robin both visited the burnt out husk of second time around. Yeah. Uh, and basically just, you know, coming to see it before it, Robin was coming to see it before she left. It's and a very painful, it, very painful um, imagery. Oh, absolutely. Like an entire page is dedicated to the to the husk of second time around. Continuing on with the the April story, uh, Robin's out of town now. April's back in East. She's basically circling real estate in the, the newspaper to find out what she can do with this money. Okay. Uh, she circles something. She's at a coffee house. Uh, the, the April story is now very sparse. Like at this point, I'm in issue 60, and there may be one or two pages in each issue telling the reader what April is up to. Yeah. Uh, moving on to, to, to issue 61, April comes into a building, and uh, the the owner of the building is looking to get out of of you know rental. They're like. Uh, I'm ready to retire. I'm looking to sell the building. Uh, there's a guy in the basement who does uh, who does all of the renovations, and we will reveal that in a moment as to who that is. Yeah. And that's basically how April's story ends. She buys the building to be a landlord, which is a very common thing for rich people to do in New York City. Right. Um, especially when you can just hire people to do all the work for you and you're just making your money, make more money. Mm -hmm. It's a smart business move. Yeah. Uh, at this point in the story, what we see is April's character kind of come full circle. You know, uh, how do you feel about her arc through, um, city at war as a whole? Um, I felt it was kind of a little lackluster. I mean, you know, I guess because I'm used to her kind of being right there in the thick of the action, but I understand, you know, that she had to go her and and forge her own path. You know, basically, you know, the family is broken up, but there's a nice little there's a nice little tie up at the end, which is which is which was really nice. Yeah. Um, and um. I don't know. I just kind of felt it like it. the The character didn't really, didn't really go anywhere. But okay. she did seem to kind of find herself. You know, there was there was pain, and 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 through that pain, there is there is joy again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what do you mean she didn't go anywhere? She went to California, what, Jeff. Not what freaking meant. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, up. I know what you meant. I know what you meant. Shut up. Uh, what I really liked about April in this and. It's it's funny because no other version of April has learned anything from this version of April. Ooh. Like, Ooh, that's a really good point. Like this version of April is a human being. You know, she has human problems, she has emotions, she is trying to find herself, she's trying to grow. She doesn't just insert herself into the turtles' lives. Yeah. Ooh, that's a good point. 
Yeah, because every other version of April is like, hey, I'm a ninja now, or hey, I'm a reporter. You're going to have to save me. No, this is like, I opt out. I'm going to go be a human for a while. Yeah. And then she comes back to New York, and, and, and ultimately she does, you know, uh, meet back up with the turtles. Like, they, they're, not, they're not strangers. Like, she doesn't leave them forever. But you're right in that I don't think her character goes much of anywhere. I don't yeah. see much growth. Yeah. I just see her having to deal with adult things, which when it comes out in the wash in like later issues in like volume two, it's possible we actually see where that growth has taken her. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and her situation, and we'll get to where her situation completely ends up here in a minute, but what her situation ends up being is significantly more interesting than what it was at the start of city at war. Okay. Okay. That's what I'll give her. Yeah. Yeah. I can get on board with that. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, well, here's the one I want to talk about the most, the most exciting one. And that's Casey. Let's talk about Casey. All right. So Casey gets married. Like he starts off this, this, this section of, of, of books, all happy because he's married. His his wife's gonna have a baby. Uh, she Which he even gives her. What, that's fine. It's 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 his now. Well, yes, this is true. Yeah, like he he adopts this baby. the The father probably probably does not even know the baby exists. Yeah. Um, you know he 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 becomes that sweet husband. You know he he turned the heat up in the the, the camper they have to simulate a hot vacation to a beach you know so you know serves virgin mai tais or whatever yeah virgin daiquiris like he he is being like like he is completely different i don't and you know i don't think i would say completely different because i feel like this is what Casey was missing. Like he was fighting for, for the greater good in the past, you know, his vigilante awe, you know, but the only reason you fight for the greater good is because you don't have something smaller and more intimate to fight for. Okay. I'll give you that. And Casey's learned that he can be that good guy. He can be the beacon of hope and the, the person who's making the change he wants to see in the world without having to beat up criminals. He can do it by just, being a family man. Yeah. So, yeah, it's different, and it's it's a light that we've never really seen him in. Mm-hmm. What I like is that while what Casey's going through is obviously very new to him, mm-hmm. none of the things that he does with it are surprising. Yeah. He becomes the person that I expect him to become mm-hmm. as a character. Very take charge. Right, right. Um, he, as we follow his story, he has trouble, you know, paying bills. He has trouble getting a job, has a trouble, you know, paying rent. But he, he, he always sticks by this, you know, we'll make, we'll, we'll make it happen. We'll, whatever happens, it'll be okay, Gabe or yeah. Gabby. Yeah. That's not how you spell Gabby. I'm sorry. I thought it was babe the whole time <laughs> because of the lettering. And I'm like, wait. <laughs> does it say Gabe? That does say yeah, it Gabe. Says, it says Gabby. I think it's Gabby. 
So let's if let's pick it up pick it up at uh, issue fifty eight. The probably the most impactful Casey Jones issue in the history of the character. Who man? So the issue starts with him walking through a field with a not pregnant Gabby. So it's obvious it's some sort of dream sequence because we would have known had the baby been born or, you know. And out from behind a bush pops basically a, the, the monster of Casey's past. It's like freaking He-Man on steroids. Yeah, he's wearing a black hockey mask. He beats the absolute crap uh, out of Casey and then steals Gabby and drives off. A few panels later, you realize that it's a dream sequence. And when he wakes up, the first name he says is April. Mm-hmm. April. What? Huh? What? He's sitting in the waiting room at the hospital. Obviously, Gabby has gone into labor, and he's waiting for his child to be born. Like it's 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 a it's a it's one of those scenes that you've seen in so many movies that yeah. it's obvious what it is before you but before it even happens. Except this doctor looks like Commissioner Gordon. He does. Commissioner Doctor uh, <laughs> pulls Casey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got you. Sorry. All, you caught me before I was drinking water. <laughs> did you spit take all over my nice microphone? That would have been super messy, but no, I do. I do. Did not do a, a spit take. Awesome. Uh, so commissioner doctor calls Casey in, <laughs> into his office and gives him the bad news. Uh, the bad news is, or the good news is, is that the baby survived. The baby is fine. The baby is healthy and ready to be taken home. But Gabby did not survive. Oh man. The childbirth. That just hit me hard. Yeah. It's like, mm. and I, I give, Peter Laird and 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 Kevin Eastman a lot of credit for their story arcs and their art and how they structure stories. I yeah. don't often give them credit for the specific lines of dialogue that they write. Yeah. Because usually there's 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 nothing too special about it. Mm-hmm. But there there's a specifically on page 6 of this book where the doctor's offering his office, "Hey, if you need some time, Use my office to, 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 you know, gather your thoughts. Yeah. And then the very last panel, he says, it's never easy losing a loved one, Mr. Jones. However, you have a little daughter now, and she needs you. Yeah. Like, that panel hurts. It hurts a lot. It hurts. And it hurts because it's well written. The, the, the mm-hmm. words are believable. The words are on purpose. Mm-hmm. And biting yeah emotionally so golf clap that's fantastic like that that's why i said that the casey part of city of war is my absolute favorite Mm -hmm. uh because it is the most tragic and it's the most hopeful in the end yeah uh the next page is just casey casey grieving in that office and that's where we that, that's where they leave him <laughs> at the end of this issue. That's where the, no, that's not where they leave him at the end of the issue. At the end of the issue, you see him driving his jeep. I don't understand why he wrecks his jeep, 
maybe it's just kind of saying goodbye to that lifestyle. You can't really have a baby in a Jeep. Uh, well, also note, folks, the baby was not in the Jeep. That's correct. I, he must have gotten a babysitter or something. I don't know. Um, I think he was drunk. Um, there's no indication that he's drunk. Well, he's got a beer can in his hand. Does he? Uh, I think he just took a... That's not a beer can, Jeff. It's not? No. What is it? That's an urn. <laughs> oh, snap. Okay. Well, <laughs> hey. It looks like a freaking beer can. Like a tall boy. <laughs> he just stuffed Gappy in a tall boy? <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, no. Ouch. So... This 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 four page scene is is simply him driving out to what looks to be like a mountain range or or like a canyon of some sort to spread her ashes. I'm serious, people. In the panels before, that looks like a freaking beer can. Go look at it for yourselves. And when it, you, do, it does, it does. I'll give you next, that. It looks like a freaking urn. So <laughs> my defense is justified. <laughs> Sorry, that's really funny. Um, so naturally Casey gets his newborn baby, which have they revealed? Did they reveal the baby's name? Not in the, no, not yet. Okay. I mean, did they at all in this? Yes, they did. Okay. Okay. We'll get to that in a minute then. Magnum PI. That's right. Um, Casey goes back to the diner that he basically the diner he met Gabby at. Right. And, a dude drives up with his car, like the car that was stolen nine months ago. Oof. At that exact diner. And you could not have picked a worse time to do that. Yeah. Casey goes outside, beats the crap out of all of them, and kicks their dog onto the top of a. <laughs> it's not funny. The, the, Animal the... abuse is never okay, people. But when you look at that panel, I'm like, it looks like he kicked a Muppet up on that freaking sign. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It looks like a rat instead of a dog. It's 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 a it's a mighty Chihuahua. <laughs> uh, so the end of that confrontation has has Casey getting his car back, which is ironically a more child friendly car. Yeah. So there's that. Um. The next shot we have of him is him driving back east with the baby strapped in the seat next to him. And I absolutely love the panel of him, like the above shot of the yeah. cab of the car where there's just stuff everywhere. It's like, well, I'm a single dad now. This is my life. This is mm-hmm. everything I own, everything I care about in this one panel. Mm-hmm. Got some baby books, probably some how to parenting uh, tapes. Yeah. Sandwich on the dash, you know, cause you got to drive dash any sandwiches, dash sandwiches with him heading back East. Uh, where obviously, where does he go when he gets back East? Back to his mom's, to his mama's house. And th- I think this is the first time we've met Casey's mom. Am I, am I wrong? Uh, at least in this continuity. I th- yeah, this is the first time. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, he brings home the baby. He doesn't explain, but he does tell uh, his mom that the baby's name is Shadow. That's a weird name for a baby. That is an awesome name for a baby. It's also an awesome name for a hedgehog, apparently. Of course it is. Sh- like Shadow Jones? Shadow Jones. Is that not a comic book character or what? That is a comic book character or an awesome 80s like action hero or something. <laughs> the Adventures of Shadow Jones. Shadow Jones. Yeah. Yeah, like that that works. She's a loose cannon. Uh and what's really cool and it's something that uh, that comes up way later, and eventually we'll talk about this. But in Volume 4, which is set about 20 years later, 15 to 20 years later, Shadow is like a teenager. Like a teenager, 20-year-old, and we actually get to interact with her as a reader, as a full human being. She's not just a baby. That's cool. Yeah, and there, and then the, the the Tales Volume Two has a lot of different stories that kind of try to fill in the back backstory mm-hmm. uh, of Casey and the turtles raising Shadow. Oh wow! Which it's it's that's a really fun dynamic of that era, and that would be the 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 uh, the Phase Two era of Ninja Turtles. Uh huh. But we're not talking about that today. No. We'll talk about that at a later date. Uh, the last thing we learn, or the last thing Casey really goes through is he, Casey's back in New York, he gets a job uh, as the the uh, the super of a of like an apartment complex, and he's basically the handyman who lives in the basement with his daughter, and it's the same building that April shows up to purchase in New York. Yes, yeah, it's, it's his mom's building, isn't it? I think it might be as is, is is that yeah 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 it's his mom's building so yeah his mom is looking to sell it and move out and his mom's hoping that she'll let him live in the basement and continue to be the handyman once she buys it April gets to the gets to the basement and sees that it's that it's Casey and they immediately hug and they're like oh my god I can't believe it yeah yeah so so it's very serendipitous like they both come back to New York their fates point them in the same direction into the exact same building into a mutually beneficial situation. Yeah. I'm not a person who believes in fate per per se, but Mm -hmm. in storytelling, it does a lot for, you know, the it's easy to suspend that, that disbelief when the story fits together. Right. Mm -hmm. So that was very beautiful to see. Oh, definitely. Uh, there's one more issue with some Casey stuff in it. Let me pull that up. Okay, they're they're back in Northampton, presumably just visiting. I'm, I, I, it doesn't they don't say anything about moving out here. I don't think, um, but it's made very obvious very very early in the issue that not only are Casey and April like you know riding around with a baby now, but they're an item. Or and if they're not an item, they're becoming one. Uh, and and that's pretty much where the story is. There, there, you know, there's a little bit of stuff after that, but most of their two stories end together in Northampton slash New York. Together, 
now raising a child. April was looking for meaning to her life and was bequeathed a lot of money. Casey had no money and had meaning in his life. Their time of their time apart only made them more compatible. What are your thoughts, Jeff? Oh, most definitely. Um, it's you can tell that they're in a much different place than when we started. Um, Casey's a bit calmer. April's a bit calmer. They seem a bit more, you know, level-headed and kind of sure about where they're going. Um, it's amazing what two hundred thousand dollars will do. No, I know, right? <laughs> And what, how many months is this spread across? Like five or six? Yeah, yeah, at least, at least. Um, but well, yeah. I guess in Casey's, like in this case, it would be, it would have to be more than that. It would have to be at least like nine. Yeah. Like eight or nine, depending on how pregnant Gabby was when they met. I I, I absolutely love where this finishes off because we start we we start the series with them on shaky ground Casey wanting to start something with, with April and her shutting it down immediately, causing you know frustration across the board. Both of them leave town, and they literally have a happy ending. Yeah. Like, if there's never another Turtles comic written after this one, their story ended in happiness. Yeah. Um, and considering what they've been through, they kind of deserve it. Agreed. Okay, so who's next? Do we want to do the... Sp- the the turtles or do we want to hit splinter i think let's save the turtles let's do okay because you know we're, we're going a little we're we're shifting the the, the focus here but folks because uh, <laughs> i think i'm gonna i think i'd like to save the best for last i don't know about best probably uh, most most important for last yes yes okay so we're building we're... dramatic tension <laughs> So, Splinter is in his little silo, and at this point, the Rat King has pulled up a <laughs> he's pulled up a box and is sitting next to him, and basically tell basically telling him, "You're you're a man beast. What makes you any different from the rats that surround you in this silo?" Pretty sure there's a bad '80s movie. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure that I'm sure his entire thing is inspired by some weird science fiction thing. Um, having the Rat King and Splinter in this entire scene, like the, the, the dichotomy of those two, two characters, Splinter is an animal that wants to be a man, and the Rat King is a man who has given up his humanity. And the Rat King basically telling him, what are you going to do to be human right now? Does your humanity save you in this specific scenario? And the truth is, is, is it wasn't going to. Mm-hmm. Um, Playing mind games with him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which this is the version of the Rat King that I love. Like the creepy, you don't know his. You, you don't know his intentions. You don't know if he's a good guy, a bad guy. He doesn't. You don't know if he's just your conscience telling you not to eat a rat. Like, who knows what this guy is? Well, in issue is it fifty seven? Okay, yeah, yeah. 
so so Splinter is starting to see, he's either starting to see things or the Rat King is is uh, mutating himself, which I don't think he is. I, I strongly believe all of it. Yeah, yeah, all of it is 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 a, a hallucination because he doesn't have any water or food. Yeah, right. And this hallucination is what drives Splinter to cannibalize his fellow rats. Mm-hmm. Which, coming at this from a human perspective, it doesn't seem that weird. Because because if you if you look at Splinter as just a human who is shaped like a rat, which he's not in this you know in this canon, right? It's not that big a deal. But when you break down what that actually is, you know it is it is a it's a rat eating another rat because that's what they do if they need to eat. Like, like, there's even a line in in the the story where the the rat king is like, "What? Why? What? You're not going to eat these rats? Do you think they would afford you that that that, that same, you know, benefit? No. You know, and not it, it basically force and and the the whole point of his of the arc is to force Splinter to accept his animal side. Mm-hmm. Because up until this point, we've only seen him as noble ninja master Splinter, who is human except furry. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a part of Splinter that I never thought existed, or never even thought to think of. Mm-hmm. So seeing it play out in this nature, you know, it, like this with the Rat King of all characters, mm-hmm. was... I'm going to stop short of saying necessary, but considering he didn't have anything else to do in this arc, absolutely wonderful. Yeah. I love the, 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 the mind games and, uh, you just, you know, you can't tell what's, you know, it's like, is this real? Is this a, a hallucination? Um, just, um, I really enjoy those, those types of, um, mind games, twists and turns and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 the story is very ambiguous. You don't know what what parts of it are real, what parts of it, you know. Uh, Splinter is just imagining. You know, we we don't know. Um, no. For all we know, it was the spirit of the Rat King. Uh, as we get closer to the end of the arc here, uh, Splinter finally has enough strength to to walk and is you know working his way out of the the the, the silo, only to find. The bones of the Rat King. Say what? Yes, like not just a dead body, but this dude is bones. So he's been there quite a while. How long has how long have those bones been there? Was the original encounter with the turtles and the Rat King was that all like a collective hallucination? Was it was it like is the Rat King magic? What is going on? Yeah, he's some kind of. Some kind of boogin. A what? A boogin. <laughs> What's a boogin? <laughs> Something from Futurama. So who is that? Some kind of boogin? And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I just like saying it. Say That's it funny, me, folks. Funny. Boogin. <laughs> it's a boogin. <laughs> yeah. So, Master Splinter is free. He like his his arc is basically coming to a close. Uh, I'm not. I'm going to 
scroll through these two, next two issues. I don't think he's. I, th- I think he's not in issue sixty at all. Let me see. Or sixty one. Yeah, sixty or sixty one. Yeah, no, he's not. But it, he's not necessary until the end of the arc. So yeah, he returns in sixty two, and we can't really talk about the very end until we talk about the turtles. Yeah, we'll get to that in just a minute. Yeah. So the turtles. They start the they start the uh, the arc off with excitement. Oh man, do they ever! <laughs> uh, Karai finds them. They've been tracking them. Yeah, been it's been tracking them, and Karai destroys their home, which is inside of that uh, water tower, mm-hmm. and they kidnap Leonardo. Just straight up, just kidnap him. The other three turtles are given a note. With the arrow? Yeah, with, that's right. And the note basically says, hey, call me. So, <laughs> I've kidnapped your brother. Here's my phone number. Basically, exactly <laughs> how that plays out. Hey, boys. I've kidnapped your brother. For some ninja... So for a, a nin, some ninja... Uh, never mind. <laughs> Just so she can give him her digits. <laughs> Uh, or some hot ninja action. Call. <laughs> There's where the joke is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so. Five, five, turtles... five. Sure you can. Yeah. Sure. Oh, my God. <laughs> Shut the podcast down. No. Uh it's Where do I go from there? Okay. Joy to my life. <laughs> so, the obviously the three turtles have to meet Karai wherever she says meet because she has their brother. When when they get there, instead of fighting them, she basically she she gives Leo his sword back and says, "I like your sword." Blah 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 blah. You're a ninja like me, and she goes into her spiel. You know. This is why I kidnapped you and why you're here. Uh, his brothers show up, and she then says, here's my offer. And her offer, basically what, what has happened is, ever since the death of the Shredder, the New York Foot Clans have been fighting each other, or factions of the Foot Clan have been fighting each other, and it's just general chaos. And part of that chaos is coming from Shredder's elite guard, and we've seen the elite guard a couple of times in this specific run, just ripping up some Foot Clan. That was what was happening in the first half. Uh, Karai believes that the turtles have the, the 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 skills to pay the bills, basically, and take all of these uh, Foot Elite out. And the turtles are very uh, hesitant because you know the Foot of the bad guy. Why oh, should yeah. we work for you? Uh, Karai's incentive is you will be free of all foot clan activity going forward. Like we, we, we won't, we won't bother you. We will operate uh, completely outside of your realm. You will be free because as of right now, they're not like the foot clan basically has a, 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 uh, a mark on their head, specifically these uh, foot elite who work directly, who work directly for the shredder. Yeah. So then- that, so, Go ahead. Well, I was gonna say this scene the the scene with with Leonardo is very 
reflective of what they did in 2K3, but not with Karai, but with Shredder. Right. Which was interesting. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. They had to change the story, of course, because Shredder was still alive. Well, yeah. And that was you very know. early on in... Uh, Is that season two? Was it season two? I think it's season two. Season three. Two or three? Somewhere in there. Yeah, it's one of those. (laughs) It's one of those. Um, It's been a while since we watched those episodes, folks, so bear with us. It it, it really has. Uh, So from there, we see that the the, the foot elite are very much on... uh, on the tail of the turtles and the uh, the Foot Clan, they're 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 ready to attack. Well, this is rolling into issue fifty eight, just to kind of level set. There's a long scene. Well, I say long; it's like three pages, where the turtles are having that debate. What do we do? Who do we work for? You know, are we honoring Master Splinter by doing this? Are we not by not doing it? Like, where do our loyalties lie? And do we do this to benefit ourselves or do we not do this and have this, 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 you know, burden over our head for the rest of our lives? Well, they don't, they kind of make a decision, but they don't really tell us what that decision is. Mm -hmm. And they head back to where Karai is. And they, uh, once they get there, they see that. The Foot Clan has been decimated. They find Karai clutching the dead body of her daughter. Didn't see that coming. Yeah. Just, like, a very oddly emotional page. Like, and just mind you, this is the exact same issue where we find out that Gabby dies. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like all of this hit us back to back to back in issue 58. Uh, This is probably the most emotionally impactful issue of the entire first volume. Mm -hmm. Um, And Karai's just like, swear to me you will kill them all. Like her emotions get the best of her. And the turtles at that moment understand that she's not lying. That she is willing to hold up her end of the bargain and she literally needs our help. And that's the clear line in the sand where they decided, Hey, let's do this. Mm-hmm. Um, from there, most of the turtle story is fighting. Yeah. You know, uh, like you a ninja them, do. Yeah. Like you, you see them preparing in the next issue. Uh, you, you see that, Karai is dressed up like the Shredder, uh, in kind of an in an effort to trick the, any 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 stupid foot uh, elites that they come across, mm-hmm. and it somewhat worked. You know, they they get to the the fight with all the foot elites, and uh, she tells any of them that you know she she tells them to kill themselves because they have betrayed her by attacking the Foot Clan. A couple of them, maybe one, actually does. Uh, but ultimately, a fight breaks out as we knew it would. Yeah. Beautiful, big, full-page panels. Yes, yes. This, th- th- this, 
let's see, if we're looking at book 60, like some of these panels are some of Lawson's best work. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, the reason this these books did not take long to read when I when I said, hey, read these is because a lot of this is action shots. Yeah. Classic Ninja Turtles action shots, uh, clearly inspired by the early run. Uh, and, and, and you see each foot elite member get killed. You see a lot of foot clan members get killed. Uh, Karai does some 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 chopping. Leonardo does some chopping. Like everyone is having to put work in to 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 take care of these dudes. Um, let's because they're mid level bosses. <laughs> no, this is this is the final boss, man. Oh, they're final bosses. Oh, okay. This, yeah, this is a, a, just a group of final bosses. Oof, I hate when you have to do that. Yeah, uh, there's this really just gr- just disgustingly violent scene where an elite guard is jumping down from like the second floor uh, of a building down to chop Karai in half and she grabs a nearby uh, lamp like one of those stand up lamps and shoves it through his torso oh that was brutal yeah yeah effective it killed him but gross yeah, there's one scene where Leo is just like jumping through the air and like slashes his face, just gushes gushes of blood. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it like this 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 fight is literally three comic books long. Yeah, uh, of course it's inter interspliced with the other character story that they're telling, but nothing happens except fighting for the turtles for about three books, mm-hmm. and book. 60 ends with Karai's head uh, being held by a Foot Clan member saying, you will die. Uh, the Foot Elite. That's right. I'm sorry. Yeah, the Foot Elite. It was Donnie. He gets his leg broken. Is it? Oh, it is, it is Donnie. Yeah. He has his leg broken. He is laying there, and he picks up a gun and shoots the guy before he, the, the, before Man. he, before he can slice uh, Karai's throat. That's not teamwork. That's, uh, <laughs> that's oozy work. Look, you got to get the job done. I mean, and it ooh, did. It did. It really did. I didn't see it coming. Yeah. Um, I was like, wow. Yeah. Just and you can so tell Donnie was not happy about that. Oh, no. He immediately throws the gun. Like, it, it wasn't a choice. It wasn't really. He didn't have a choice because he had broken his leg. He couldn't do anything else. Yeah. Uh, finally. Leonardo cracks the the neck of uh, the the last remaining elite ninja, and Raphael declares it's over. And this happens towards the end of book, what sixty? No, sixty one. Mm-hmm. So so we're coming in real hot with the uh, <laughs> the end of this story because there's only one book after this. Yeah. Uh, uh, Karai, you know, talks about how she will keep her word. Uh, the turtles uh, bid her farewell, and you know, Karai's basically like, "This is the last time you're going to see me. I'm going to reorganize stuff here, and then I'm heading back to Japan." Mm-hmm. And even even Karai was like, "You're free. Use and her quote is, "Use this opportunity well." Yeah, yeah. Like it's it's not beyond her, you know, what she has granted them, like the, the, the power that she has given them to make their own future. Mm-hmm. Uh, which leads directly into the last issue, and that is uh, basically the 
everyone catches up with each other and we pitch for volume two. So everyone ends up at in at the Northampton, uh, you know, what the, what's it called? The farmhouse. Um, the farmhouse, yeah. All at the same time, Donnie still has a broken leg. Splinter's there. Casey, April, Shadow, all of them are there. Uh, they kind of catch up. Donatello decides he's going to stay with Splinter in Northampton, which is where Splinter's been the whole time. He's basically retired at this point. Uh, and obviously, he's he's got to be staying because his his leg is broken. Mm-hmm. The, the every all other characters are going to head back to New York, uh, including the turtles, April Casey shadow uh, that they're all going to get back to their normal lives in the city. Um, and that's kind of where they leave it off. There's the, the only like big scene after that is the splinter April reunion. Yeah. Which means more than it really should considering we haven't really seen that much interaction between the two of them in the past, but she tells him of uh, his, uh, his, her father's passing. Um, the, the last, the, the last interaction we see of them was splinter just blatantly telling her leave, just leave. Yeah. And she left. And that's uh, a horrible so, place, you know, to leave one, you know, like I personally have a rule of never, never leaving angry or mad. With anybody, just because you never know what's going to happen, and right. look at everything they went through. Yeah, yeah. And th- there's a very powerful moment at the very end when April is crying because she feels like she's lost two fathers this year. Yeah. One because Splinter was like just leave, and her actual father died. Uh, yeah. Splinter emerging from the woods to hug her and say. To refer to her as daughter man I teared up <laughs> I'm legit I was like that was beautiful I was like come on man don't make me feel stuff <laughs> yeah yeah you know and it's 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 so odd it's like hey I, my, my father died I'll replace him with a giant rat yeah but, but he like he is the quintessential father though oh yeah so I get it I get it but but just for for her to have that um, confirmation from a father figure oh, is yeah. as as you as I don't know if it, if you said it or I said it, but it is a very powerful moment. Yeah. The last thing. Oh, let's we're we're gonna check up on the nameless man, right? Oh, definitely. I have more questions. <laughs> <laughs> uh, turns out his name is Mister Buchesniv Buch Buchesian Ah, it's ah. I don't know. Like Buchezny, yeah. I don't know it. Yeah, I don't. I don't. B- B- Maybe you guys can help us out there. Yeah, I don't know. It it seems with the German syllable by syllable pronunciation. Um, we still don't really know anything about that guy. Um, and when reading through this, one of uh, of course, the version we're reading has the uh, the letters included uh that were printed in the original 12 books or whatever right yeah one of the one of the letters addresses that guy and and it is confirmed by whoever is answering the letters that part of the reason he uh he exists in the story is to establish a passage of time 
Okay. Just as I assumed last time, but it was nice to read it, you know, from the creators. Right. Um, and that's pretty much that. That is the story of City at War, Jeff. I know this is your first time through it, and it's it's an emotional journey. It was an emotional journey. Um, that was a shell of a ride. I, how, do you, I, how, do you, how do you feel? I feel I feel good. I feel good. Uh, I I thoroughly enjoyed all of it. Um, I definitely want to see this adapted into either a live action film or uh, an animated project. Um, yeah. Because I feel that I'll have to go back and watch the version of Two K Three. Like I just don't think they hit those right notes as much well it is a children's show what well, is but they could have gone about it a little differently but you know um i don't know well uh, i'll hold off judgment until we we get to the city at war arc again on 2k3 um but this has definitely been one of the most enjoyable reads um and the artwork too is just gorgeous um yeah. And uh, you know, just thoroughly been enjoying just overall, like one of my one of my favorite reads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's 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 very much a fantastic last hurrah for the Eastman and Laird combo. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- they did not work on Volume Two in the same capacity mm-hmm. as as they did Volume One, so it it's it takes a very different tone. It takes the story in kind of some weird places, but. Mm-hmm. Like, City at War is kind of the the culmination of everything they've learned, both talent wise and story structure wise, mm-hmm. in the what it was what, eight years between issue one and issue sixty two, something like that. Mm-hmm. About eight years. Um, it's the culmination of that, and 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 them finally creating the piece of art that fans knew they could make. Yeah. Um, I think it was a bold choice to separate the characters and to separate them and then focus on all of them so like microscopically mm-hmm. because each different story piece every time you check on it there is a like a tone shift. There is an emotion shift. Like every time, every time they they, they cut to uh, an April part of the story, you can tell April is depressed. Mm-hmm. You can tell that she's not where she needs to be. That and, and and a lot of it is in the art. A lot of it is in the story. There, you know, the the, the actual script. It, it's it's just so wonderfully woven together as 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 a, as a tapestry. Mm-hmm. That it, it's hard for me to find legit um, problems anywhere in in City of War. I concur. Um, it definitely is beautifully structured. Um, I wasn't really bored at any point. I was just like, you know, going from here to there, and it was like you said, it was it was beautifully woven together. Yeah. Um, and it was just it was it was a very enjoyable read. I'll, I'll, I definitely would read this again. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this is this like my, this is like my fifth or sixth time to read it, and it still hits hard, yeah. uh, which is which is really good to know. Um, 
And this is something that I've complained about in the past uh, with other versions of the turtles. Um, I don't like that typically turtles buds just tag along. Mm-hmm. You know, Splinter is never really used. Spl- Splinter doesn't have side stories. Mm-hmm. In this, Splinter is doing his own thing. April is doing her own thing. Casey is doing his own thing. Like mm-hmm. those are legit side stories that don't have anything to do with the Ninja Turtles. And it's that's something you just don't see in any other version of the Turtles. Right. Except like IDW plays with it here and there. Mm-hmm. But this establishes that the characters are important important enough to stand on their own. Well, they did a little bit of that in the uh, third Turtles movie. A little bit. Yes, a little bit. Yeah. I'll give you that. Yeah. Yeah, because, because... Which, again, folks, is not a bad movie. It's yeah, pretty... Yeah, yeah. Go back and listen to our, our, our Turtles 3 episode. Like, it's 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 a revelation. Yeah. Because that movie gets gets a lot of uh, a lot of guff from fans, and it's completely un, unwarranted. Agreed. Um... Because there's technically only two horrible Turtles movies. Or three if you're Sergio. Nope, 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 you're right. There's only there's only two horrible Turtles movies. Both produced by Michael Bay. No, that's incorrect. <laughs> no. There's there's three. <laughs> One produced by Michael Bay is, is horrible. Secret of the Ooze is a horrible movie. Eh. The rest of them are good. I disagree. You're allowed to. It's fine. I am. It's fine. Am. Just like I don't like the video games. Uh, Jeff, <laughs> what are your final thoughts on City at War? I think we wrapped it all up rather nicely just now already. Um, but I'll just reiterate, I want to see this as a movie or <laughs> animated something. I want, you he, know. He, he knows that if he says it three or four times that I can't cut it out, out, out every single time. That's right. <laughs> um, this was definitely one of the most enjoyable reads um, that I've had. And this, this, this has been a great journey going through and reading all these books that I never had the chance uh, to read because I I can't remember what age I was when I discovered. Wait, this is based off a comic, mm-hmm. you know? Because you don't pay attention at certain points when you're doing, you know, when you're watching certain media and stuff. And I was like, didn't really wasn't really aware of many comic shops in our area because I didn't really go and seek that stuff out. I was into toys and video games and stuff like that. And, um, so this has been a, just a, a wonderful journey. Um, Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's, there's something to be said about like the fact that until what, four years ago, Mm -hmm. these books had never been collected into a collection. Yeah. Cause of the, cause of the buyout. No, not even that. Like Mirage never even collected them. Oh yeah, yeah. Like like Peter Laird could have done like a like a deluxe you know release of City at War complete, and he never did. Mm-hmm. Um, IDW finally got around to it, and when they did it, they split it into two volumes, which is fine. Mm-hmm. You know, that's it's a, it's a lot of books, but that I it, I kind of want. Just a real nice, like, hardback, City at War, complete story, start to finish, cover to cover. 
Fat Baby Edition. Fat Baby Edition. It, a, a, absolutely. Yeah. It, it wouldn't take very much work in you know on IDW's part. You know, maybe maybe if maybe if there's like an anniversary coming around, they could repackage it and and just make it. It's just my dumb collector in me who's like, we need this on shelves more. That would be cool. Because it was not on shelves for 25 years. It's a long time. And I, I can't imagine someone stumbling into a uh, into a uh, a comic shop in what 1992 or 1991 or whenever these books were printed. 93. 93. I like I can't imagine someone stumbling into a comic shop, picking up issue 58 having zero context for where the story is and no guarantee they're going to get anything past that because they're limited print run books anyway. Yeah. Like it just blows my mind that for the most part, these stories were just lost to time, lost to time unless you were willing to put the work in. And that Mm -hmm. kind of goes back to your experience. Like there wasn't a story you could just hop on down to and pick up all 13 issues. Yeah, this or at least was that a, I was aware of that carried uh, them. Yeah, yeah. Like if you were paying attention and ordered them when they came out, sure you would have all thirteen. But it's not like you're gonna like the chances of all thirteen issues being in a back issues bin bin is very slim. Yeah, especially of an independent early '90s black and white comic book. Yeah, because most of your stores, or at least the ones around here that I was familiar with, their main bread and butter was Marvel and DC. Right, right. Like, like I, I didn't read these until eBay was a thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I think I actually ordered a handful of these directly from Mirage because they still have some in, in stock. Mm-hmm. But eBay, that's where I got my copies and wh- where I read them. Yeah. So it's, it's make this stuff available, which I know is a, a common complaint that we have with the Ninja Turtle stuff. Yeah. That stuff just isn't available. City, at War, the the fact that City at War is not as available as it should be, it, it was a crime and remains a crime. I could go into other things not being released being a crime, but just see the other episodes of <laughs> Shellheads. As I said, on it's an ongoing tale. Yeah, <laughs> that we tell every week. But if you would like to read City at War, it's collected in two different versions uh, of IDW books. They are the Ultimate Collection and the Color Classics Collection. Uh, if you're really weird about it and want individual copies, mm-hmm. IDW did do floppy versions of every single one of these books that they then collected two times. And the the Color Classic Classics ones are have been inked uh, and colored. Like new inks and new colors, so the, the, it's a completely different read when you read it that way. Uh, but I suggest doing it. Do it. And I'll get off my soapbox. Jeff, when this quarantine is over, where will you be spending your days? Oh, I'm ready. Um, but not yet. Um <laughs> <laughs> Um, as always, Sergio, you'll be able to find me at the Warp Zone Arcade, um, Brandon, Mississippi's premier arcade um hundreds of games from a wide variety of genres uh that will fit your tastes from 
action fighting adventure puzzle beat 'em up retro all that fantastic stuff traditional arcade cabinets do birthday parties tournaments special events when we when we get all back to you know a relatively normal or somewhat stable state folks please come out and show your support um for uh our small local business uh we would greatly appreciate it you can find us on facebook and instagram just look for the warp zone arcade uh circle controller logo okay cool i'm I'm gonna kind (laughs) of i'm gonna go in a in a different direction with mine um so uh here's where i usually talk about a reality breach and i'm gonna say visit reality breach we're on facebook whatever blah 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 twitter um but I'm also going to plug Reality Breached has a phone number. Ooh. Yeah. And since I'm the owner of Reality Breached and I also am the host of Shellheads, uh, I'm going to open up that phone number to Shellheads listeners to call and leave us messages. Oh, boy. <laughs> right? Uh, the number is 601-351-5208. Uh, feel free to give us a call. We're not going to answer. It's going to go to it's going to go to voicemail. But uh, call us. Give us your feedback. Tell us if you like the episode. Tell us if there's a, like a turtles thing you want us to talk about. Uh, tell us if you hate us. Who knows? Uh, just know that two things. One, when it answers, it's going to say that it's reality breached. Leave your message anyway. It's still us. Two, your message may be played on the air. So be by nice. air, I mean in the podcast. So be nice. Don't use swears. I can always censor them. We're fine. Yeah. Uh, so that number is 601-351-5208. I need, I need to write a jingle to go with that. You do. 601-351-5208. I, I don't quit your day job. <laughs> well, uh, follow us, follow Shellheads on Facebook and the Instagram. Tune in next time. Next time we're talking about Nickelodeon. Don't Ooh. really have much more time to uh, expound upon that, but tune in next time. I'm Sergio. I'm Jeff. And we're Shellheads. miss an episode of the Shellheads podcast, visit realitybreach.com or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or anywhere you get your podcasts.